Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Glory to God. Great things. Great things are happening. Great things are happening all throughout the body of Christ. It's not just happening here. It's happening all over the country and all over the world. People are being stirred. Revival fire is burning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. This morning we talked about uh, various kinds of prayer uh, in association with revival praying. Before we can go uh, very deep in revival praying. It's, it's important to understand there are different kinds of prayer. And uh, in these kinds of prayer, just like we use the illustration so often of sports, you know, sports, there are a lot of different kinds of sports, but you just can't put all sports in one bag, shake it all together, and then just apply the same rules to every kind of sport. There are different kinds of rules that apply to different kinds of sports. Well, praying has not rules, we use the word rules because it fit where sports are concerned. Where prayer is concerned, it's not so much rules as principles of operation. The different kinds of prayer operate differently and you go about them differently. They have a different uh, objective and so how you conduct yourself in these different kinds of prayers uh, have to be according to the principles laid out in the word of God. And uh, you know, the purpose uh, of defining the different kinds of prayer uh, is not to limit or to confine prayer, uh, you know, to a set of rules and regulations, uh, but rather to give a, a better understanding of what the Bible teaches uh, about these types of prayers. When you, are, when you know what the Bible teaches about different kinds of prayer, then you're equipped to cooperate more fully with the Holy Spirit because he only moves in line with his word. The Holy, I said the Holy Spirit only moves in line with his word. And he moves in prayer uh, along scriptural lines and, and along the, the precepts and principles that are revealed in the word of God about prayer. That's how the Holy Spirit will move in prayer. Amen. Uh, many people have lost the spirit of prayer uh, by becoming legalistic and clinical in their praying. Uh, like I said this morning, it's more important to recognize and learn to flow with the Holy Spirit in prayer than to merely know correct prayer terminology. Amen. Uh, and also I mentioned this, for a long time, almost all prayer was called intercession. And, or it was believed that intercession was the only effective kind of praying. But in reality, the most effective prayer is the, is the kind of prayer that the Holy Spirit inspires and which is needed at the moment. Amen. So it's best to just learn to flow with the Holy Spirit because that's what's most effective. What is most effective is prayer that's inspired by the Spirit of God. Get in the flow of the Spirit. Back in, in uh, February of 1980, uh, Kenneth e. Hagan uh, conducted a prayer seminar uh, at Ramo on the campus there. Uh, Ansel and I were there at the time, and uh, we made all of those services. Uh, well, I think Pastor Angel made the night services. She didn't make the morning services, but uh, he, he taught on Sunday night, and then he taught Monday through uh, Friday or Saturday, and then he taught again on Sunday night. He taught twice a day you know, during the week, and then he taught again uh, on Sunday night. And he talked about prayer and he emphasized intercession and he wrote a book uh, a book came out of that prayer seminar called the art of intercession and it was a wonderful book and uh, like I said uh, the the seminar was tremendous I was there in all of the services and there was so much revelation about prayer and the importance of prayer but everything focused on intercession Dad Hagen wasn't responsible for the excess, but people took what he said out of context and uh, everything became intercession. So like I tell people a lot of times uh, as, a, as a pastor, uh, you know, we've over the years, 
our policy has always been, I don't counsel people outside my church. People will phone the office sometimes and say, you know, can, can, you know, will your pastor talk to me? I need some counsel about some kind of a spiritual thing, you know. And uh, my response, I tell Kendra, Kendra always tells him, no, he doesn't counsel people that are not a member of his church. Oh, really? They say, oh, really? And some people get really indignant about it. I mean, I can't even imagine. A pastor won't talk to me about spiritual things. Uh, the reason the reason that is is because when I give counsel, if I if 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 uh, Brother Kamal comes to me and asks me something, you know, some spiritual question or, or some situation in his life that he wants my spiritual counsel uh, over, I I can only tell him so much that the Spirit of God brings to me at the time, but. It's best for him to get counsel in the context of what I say all the time. Service after service after service. That's in church is where I do my counseling. That's where I do my counseling. I do my counseling up here. And I don't have time to give Brother Kamal a synopsis of everything I've taught in the last 35 years. To put it all in context so he doesn't take something I say today and, and apply it wrong. That's why I don't counsel people that are a member of my church because they wouldn't understand where I'm coming from on a lot of things that I'm saying. And they can easily take it and go off in a different direction, misinterpret. So we don't do it. And, and well, you know, you won't even help. Well, you know, go to your own church. I've actually had people say, well, yeah, I said, would, uh, Miss Kendra would ask us sometimes, well, where do you go to church? And they'll say, well, go to such and such church. She said, well, you know, we advise you to go to your pastor. Well, I don't believe he would understand this. And, uh, you know, he's not a very spiritual man, and I just don't believe he would understand what, you know. Now, she doesn't say this because she's got more sense, but the automatic answer is, well, dummy, why are you going to church there? Are you serious? But a lot of times people don't go to church. Well, their problem is not what they called to ask about. Their problem is, is they don't belong to a church. That's their problem. And so uh, we don't counsel people because people take it out of context. Well, Brother Hagin spent one week in 1980 teaching on prayer and on intercession. But if you didn't know him and his ministry and put that in the context of, of uh, his writings... Well, you know, he's got a, 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 a plethora of books. I mean, he's, uh, you know, just written all of these books. And he has a gazillion recordings out there that you can listen to. Well, if you, if you listen to his ministry, if you follow his ministry, it was easy to take what he taught on intercession and, and just be right on. It didn't, I mean, it, I didn't get off a bit on it. It, it really it, it helped me. But a lot of people took what he said and, and got it into the ditch, got it into extremism, and, and a, uh, uh, an emphasis of intercession, sort of a movement, like a mini movement of intercession came on the heels of him teaching. He was very influ- at the time, you know, when he was alive, he was a very influential man. And people were in that meeting from all over the world. People flew in and, you know, ministers and, and uh uh, because he was such a man of influence, well, the message of intercession really kind of took off. Well, people got it into the ditch. And every kind of prayed. In other words, it was the, the idea was intercession was everything. That's what God's doing today. He's doing, moving in intercession. Well, the fact is he's moving in all kinds of prayer. And not every kind of, not all prayer is intercession. Not all needs require intercessory prayer. But back then in the 1980s, I mean, intercession was intercession was everything. People started having intercessory prayer meetings. And when Brother Hagin found out, you know, that people had gotten into the ditch, he started trying to correct that. He said, it's unscriptural to call an intercessory prayer meeting. It's unscriptural. Well, what does he mean by that? It call a prayer meeting. You notice on Monday night, we don't call it intercessory prayer or supplication prayer. We just call it prayer. We pray different kinds of prayer. He said it's, it's scriptural to have a prayer meeting and then follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in prayer. 
But if you call an intercessory prayer meeting, then that means every time you meet, you're going to be interceding. And the problem with that is the Holy Spirit's not always going to move in intercession, but you're committed to it. And what's going to happen? You're going to get in the flesh. And people started getting into the flesh where intercession was concerned. And uh, in some of the comments and some things that I'm going to teach in this series about supplication and intercession, uh, they took some of those those things and tried to replicate that and make those things happen every time they met. And uh, things got got out of control very quickly. And so the inter- the 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 what I believe God was trying to do in prayer and in the early stages of revival got. Uh, sidetracked along the lines of intercession in the mid-80s. On the heels of that came the militant church uh, error. And people, you know, people, they, they come to church to intercede regardless of what was going on, even if the spirit wasn't moving that way. And then they, you know, they, they uh, thought, well, the church, you know, we're supposed to be rebuking the devil and, and uh, spiritual warfare, you know, so the militant church, this kind of idea of the militant church uh, kind of arose, and people were coming to church dressed in their, in their uh, fatigues, you know, military-style clothing, because they're going to do battle with the devil. You, you think I'm kidding, I'm not. I'm talking about major churches, whole congregation. Everybody wear your, you know, your, your fatigues, your camouflage, you know, get, get, and, and people... I know you think this is nuts, but and it is, but it happened. People started bringing toy guns to church, to a prayer meeting, because we're the militant church. So they started coming, you know, with toy guns to 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 illustrate that they were the warring church, and that's just like Brother Hagin said. That's just ignorance gone to seed. Have you ever seen a, 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 a garden, you know, that you leave it out there too long and after, you know, it's, you should be reaping the harvest. If you leave it too long, what happens? It goes to seed and it's not worth anything then. Well, that's just ignorance gone to seed. And, uh, and people started uh, uh, flying around in, in airplanes, interceding and doing warfare over cities. Because there was something about, they taught, there was something about getting in the high place. So they thought if they get in an airplane or get up in an, on the top of a building, a skyscraper somewhere, they'd be in the high places. Well, that's just stupid. That's just stupid. God's just as good and just as strong right here, praise God, as he is up on the top of a building somewhere. Amen? Probably more so. I don't know if you're in that category. But, uh, so people got it all out of, out of, out of uh, proportion, out of whack. So in the 90s, Dad Hagen reissued the book. Instead of calling it the art of intercession, he reissued it <clears throat> under a different name, called it the art of prayer. And that's the book we have in our bookstore. And uh, in that, he said, that, you know, after studying more about it, he got more insight on prayer than what he uh, shared in those meetings. It, it wasn't that what he shared before was wrong. It's because he, he didn't put it, it, provide some balance that people needed to hear. And so in his book, The Art of Prayer, he added some of that balance in. And um, uh, it's very important that we understand the difference between these kinds of prayers and not get in the flesh. Amen. So, so uh, also, you know, different kinds of prayers very often flow together. They sort of work together, sort of like the fingers on your hands. You know, the fingers on your hand cooperate and they work together to do things that you can't just do with one finger. You need several fingers involved. You need your thumb. You need the action of your wrist. You know, you need, and that in conjunction with your arm and the rest of your body, the body works together. Well, uh, prayer often works that way. The different kinds of prayer will very often work together. For instance, the prayer of supplication is used in the prayer of intercession. Even though they're two different things, in, in the prayer of intercession, you must move in the prayer of supplication. That's why we're covering this first. Amen. So uh, looking back at, at what we talked about this morning, we, we defined the prayer of supplication is it's humble, earnest, heartfelt, fervent prayer. In other words, it's not casual praying. If you're praying casually about something, that's not supplication. 
Now, supplication isn't always necessary. Some things that you pray about uh, are not urgent. Amen? Some things are not urgent. They're, they're a need. And you know what the Bible says about it? You simply claim the, the promise of God, the blessing of God. Pray that you believe you receive it. And by faith, it's yours. Prayer of faith. Uh, very time is very, very often is, is very short, very simple to the point and absolutely effective, absolutely effective. But like I described this morning, I won't go into everything I said this morning. Sometimes more is needed because there are different things going on in the behind the scenes that the prayer of faith is not designed to cover. And so, uh, revival praying involves supplication. Because revival praying is not casual praying. Revival praying is fervent, heartfelt prayer. Because we're praying about things that don't respond to the prayer of faith. When I'm praying about revival, I'm praying about people. Now it's one thing to be praying for revival for myself. That's basically the prayer of faith. And consecration and those things. But if I'm praying about other people, other groups, other churches, uh, other ministers, uh, where they are has a real impact on whether or not they're in revival or not. Where they are spiritually. And there are a lot of things involved in that. That I can't just claim. I just can't claim that church XYZ or pastor so and so. I just can't claim. Well, I just believe they're in revival. Ask your father to revive them. Thank you for it. Believe it's mine in Jesus' name. Well, they have something to do with it. So the prayer of supplication uh, is necessary. And so uh, let me just say it again. If your praying is casual, it couldn't be supplication. Amen. Uh when we pray on Monday nights, we're praying for revival. That is not casual praying. Because the need is not casual. It's an earnest need. And it requires fervency in prayer. And so, you have to stir yourself up in prayer. And if you don't stir yourself up in prayer, you will be too casual to get the job done. And you won't be in supplication. And I mean, when the Spirit's leading that way, and, and the Spirit is leading that way in prayer for revival, supplication is this earnest, heartfelt, humble, but fervent praying is, is what carries the day in intercessory, in, in revival, that with intercessory prayer, it, that's what carries the day. And so we come to church on Monday nights and if you're sitting in your uh, seat, like I see sometimes, occasionally I open my eyes and I quickly close them again because it disturbs me so much. <laughs> but I'll see people leaning back in there and so they've got their eyes kind of half of them, they're going, oh, no, 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 no. How many of you say that's not, how many of you understand that's not supplication? Get your, get your body up out of that chair and, and stir yourself up, walk around, do bend overs or squats or whatever you have to do. Get your body alert, get your mind alert and focus on the issue of prayer. Amen. Amen. Fervent prayer will be fervent. If it's not fervent, it's not fervent. <laughs> Praying silently. That's not fervency. Now, how, how, how do you know? Okay, you're just praying. I just want to pray quietly. Well, well, what if just somebody walked in and said, uh, your daughter was just in a, a terrible accident and, and she's in the hospital and, and she's hanging on by a thread and her life is in jeopardy. They don't think she's going to make it. Would you go? Okay. No, you'd get serious, wouldn't you? You'd get down to business. Well, we come to prayer on Monday night to get down to business. Revival prayer is getting down to business. 
in prayer. It's not working something up, but it's understanding that there is fervency is required. The need of the hour is great. The world is in darkness. The church is backslidden by large. By and large, the church is backslidden. And people need God in their lives. And, and God needs to, to, to move in people's lives. Well, that, that's not a casual praying. That's serious praying. And so uh, uh, supplication is essential. Amen. Stir yourself up in prayer. And that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that you work some kind of a manifestation up. What it, means is it, it, what it means is you stir yourself up to pray, to take hold of God. And if you'll do that, he'll take hold of you. And the reason God doesn't take hold of some people, they never experience that. They come to prayer and they say, I don't know, other people, you know, seem to be, you know, so caught up in prayer and I come and I'm just sleepy and I don't seem to enter in. Well, you're not stirring yourself up. You're not giving yourself to it. It's not serious. It's not important to you. If it's important to you, you'll get a hold of God in prayer. What does that scripture mean? Draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. That's something, who initiates that? You do. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, stir yourself up where prayer is concerned. Amen. So we talked about what, who, can, who we can make supplication for. Well, for what kinds of things uh, is supplication uh, necessary? Well, go with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 35 says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his, to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Notice Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. Well, that's not a good thing. That's not a a positive thing. When you have a great harvest, you need uh, a a great number of laborers or else the harvest is going to be left are lost. Well, that makes, that makes that an urgency. The harvest is an urgency. People's lives hang in the balance. Heaven and hell is determined what, by what kind of decisions people make. There's a harvest to be reaped. Well, when Jesus said, pray the Lord of the harvest, that he would uh, send out laborers into his harvest, that's implying an urgent request. So you can make supplication for the harvest. For laborers to be sent into the harvest. Uh, go with me over to Zechariah 10.1. Zechariah. Just turn back a little bit from Matthew into Zechariah chapter 10. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. The latter part of this verse is talking about an outpouring of the Spirit and it's talking about a harvest. Notice a harvest. He will give them showers of rain and grass in the field for everyone. Uh, Asking for rain, asking for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This is something that supplication is made for because because the need is earnest. It's urgent. And he said, ask of the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. There is a time uh, for the latter rain. Well, in that time, it's essential that we have it. It's time for it. If it's not time for it, it's not so important. But if it's time for it, it's critically important. 
And we know that the end of the age is characterized by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Now notice, ask of the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. Now to hold your place, go over to James in the New Testament. What time would that be? What is the time of the latter rain? James chapter five, verse seven. Therefore be patient, my brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently, in, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. You also be patient, establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Listen, church, the coming of the Lord is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Well, the coming of the Lord is at hand and he says that the coming of the Lord is likened unto the time of the early and, latter, early and latter rain. There's an outpouring of the spirit that must take place before the Lord returns. It's part of, of the preparation for his return and that's urgent, that's not casual because of, the, because of the consequences of it. If we don't pray, what are the consequences? Harvest will be lost. If we do pray, what are the consequences? The harvest will be reaped. Well, that's not casual praying. That's not a now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. Amen. This is, this is earnest praying. Uh, go with me over to Daniel. Go back just a little bit to the book of Daniel. Go to Ezekiel and take a right. Daniel chapter nine. <clears throat> Verse three, then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I would say that, that Daniel was not approaching this prayer casually. I, he said, I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Going over to verse 17. Now, Lord, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. For the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Well, what is his sanctuary today? The church. Now, we are individually, but also collectively the church. He said, Lord, let your face, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city, which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you uh, because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God, for your city and your people are called by your name. He's praying for God's people. He's praying for God's sanctuary. He's praying for God's nation. He said, oh, hear God, hear and see and, and listen and respond. That's not casual praying. Now, now again, you, if, if you're in need of restoration, that's a quick thing. But it's not a quick thing getting restoration for somebody else. You pray until the manifestation comes. You pray and you give God the permission. See, we know this, that God can do nothing for humanity unless somebody asks him. The reason for that is that he has delegated authority for what happens on this earth to men. And our lives, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, our lives are the product of our decisions that we've made in the past, what we believe, what we've said. That's why, that's why we are where we are individually in our lives. And it's not up to God to just move in and, and reset everything and make it right. Why? Because he gave us the authority he gave us the, the, the freedom to choose our way, whether we will go with God or not, whether we will follow his precepts or not. Right. 
And so God doesn't have the authority to move in on Pastor XYZ when he's not listening. He's taking his church in a different direction. They're compromising with the world. They're trying to be like the world, hoping that they'll get a bigger church and pack out their auditorium so they're willing to accept any kind of lifestyle, any kind of conduct, any kind of look, and no, no, uh, no character being preached. No, no uh, basis for faith or, or fellowship or communion. Well, you know, that pastor is, is missing God's plan and God's will. Well, well, unless the pastor's willing to change, God can't just go in there and just make him. If he asked, if he asked, God could do something for him. Well, we can ask for him. Now, it's the reason we don't just ask one time, you can, if, if that's you, you can say, boy, I've been going the wrong direction. I've compromised with the world, you know, and, and, and Lord, I repent and I change and, and that's, that's a done deal. But for somebody else, you have to continue to ask because it takes, it, God has to work where he has opportunity to work. And our praying for other people gives him opportunities that would not otherwise come unless we prayed. Unless we prayed. And I just use a pastor, but I'm not picking on pastors. I, I kind of like pastors myself. I believe in them. But, but a, a group or a church or an individual, you know, we, not, we all know people that, that are backslidden. They need reviving. Well, by, by making supplication, earnest prayer for them, like we learned this morning, supplication can be made for yourself or it can be made for others. Supplication is an ingredient of intercession, just like the fingers of a hand work together. But So we're staying on supplication right now. I have to pray for that person who is wayward because they're not praying for themselves. Not, or maybe not the right way. They're, they're, they don't even see it. They don't, they're, they, they're, some people are so backslidden and so spiritually dull, they don't even see what's going on. They don't, they don't see how they've fallen. I, I, know, I know minister friends, I mean good friends that I've had fellowship with for decades are on a completely different path than they used to be on. And, and when I talk to them, they'll absolutely declare, no, this is what I've always believed. This is, this is nothing new. This is what Dad Hagen taught. I'm going, you're out of your mind. I knew Dad Hagen. I followed him closely. He never once endorsed what you're saying that, that he, he would endorse. They've taken a different track altogether. Well, they're so, they're so far out there, they don't even see it. Well, what am I going to do? Just wash my hands of them? You know, so well, you know, too bad, so sad. No, they're too valuable. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God still has a place and a call for them and something for them to do. Well, supplication is an earnest prayer where I, I begin to pray for, oh God, oh God, move in his life. Well, he's not asking God to move, but I am. It doesn't carry the same effect as him asking, but it carries an effect. It carries and it, it makes an important difference. And enough of that can, can move God in situations in his life and cause things to happen that can, that can get that person's attention and minister to them and open them up. And most of you are the product of somebody else praying for you. We can all agree with that. We are where we are today, not because of our spiritual brilliance, not because of our uh, spiritual uh, uh, heights and, and, and splendor. It's because somebody, when we were going completely toward ignorance, somebody prayed for us and God heard their prayers. Amen. Hallelujah. So supplication can be prayed for, uh, for rain for forgiveness like Daniel was praying. And turn with me to Colossians chapter one. Colossians. Colossians one, 
Verse number nine, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering. Notice, notice he said, since the day we heard it, we do not cease to pray this for you. So this wasn't a casual one-time Lord bless the, the, the church at Colossae. In Jesus' name, amen. It's not what this was. He said, since I heard about your faith, I pray without ceasing. I continue. I do not cease to pray for you. Supplication is, is prayer that's gonna be prayed over and over again. Amen. amen. Going over in, the, in, in Colossians to the fourth chapter and look at verse number 12. Epaphras, who was one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always laboring casually for you in prayers. No, always laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Epaphras was a man who understood supplication. Because he prayed heartfelt, fervent, earnest prayer for the church at Colossae. So you can pray this, the prayer of supplication for the spiritual needs of people. Supplication is needed for revival. Turn with me to Habakkuk. Turn with me to Habakkuk. And look at chapter 3. It's right after Nahum is right after Micah, Zephani- just before Zephaniah, page 825 in my Bible. <laughs> Have you found Habakkuk? If you found Habakkuk, raise your, raise your Bible up so I can see how many people are going to follow, but there you go. Well, the rest of you, find somebody that's found it and look on. The background to the book of Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk, Israel was backslidden at the time that uh, Habakkuk prayed this prayer and they were unrepentant. They were going their own way. God was trying to warn them, but in spite of his warnings, of course, there had been historical warnings. He warned them all the time from Moses that if you'll do these things, these blessings will come upon you. And if you don't do these things, these curses will come upon you. And one of them is that you would be taken captive and your children sold into slavery and eat up with disease and all these other things. Well, these things were beginning to happen, but it wasn't, the nation of Israel wasn't turning. They weren't forsaking their idolatry. And so that's the background of Habakkuk's praying. Verse number one of chapter three says, the prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet on Siga Onath, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. See, the Lord had been speaking judgment to the nation of Israel because of their sin. He said, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Can you sense the earnestness? Can you sense the fervency? This wasn't a casual praying. He's seeing his nation go into bondage, being sold into slavery because of sin, and and it stirred him up. Revival praying is stirred up praying. Stirred up praying. He said, oh Lord, I've heard your speech and was afraid. Oh Lord, revive your work. Revive your work. We need revival in the midst of the years. A long time, a lot of water under the bridge, a lot of things have happened. Time has passed. It doesn't look good. But Lord, in the midst of the years, revive your work. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And the answer was God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand and there his power was hidden. Now, 
Israel still went into, into captivity in spite of the prophets praying because it takes more than one sometimes. Di- different situations uh, have different requirements. And they did go into captivity, but it wasn't permanent. Their captivity only lasted 70 years. It would have lasted much longer had not people like Habakkuk, Jeremiah, Daniel, different ones, had they not prayed, it would have, it would have been unending because the judgment came because of their idolatry and they would have stayed under judgment as long as they insisted on staying idolatrous. Until they repented, they would not have come out. But people like, like Habakkuk prayed. And when he prayed about reviving his people, God manifested himself. His glory was seen. He evidently had a vision there on, on Mount Paran. And he saw the glory of the Lord. He saw his mighty power. That was a witness to him that God said, I've heard you and I will move. Now it took a few years, but God did move. I said, God did move. And and the people did come out of captivity and they did repent and they were restored to their land. Of course, they backslid again, but like I've said before, people always backslide. And so there will always be a need for, for revival. And, and praying, the, uh, earnest prayer is what produces revival. Now, you know, re, like I said earlier, revival isn't always the big, boisterous kind of, uh, uh, of things that, that, that make the news. But revivals that end up that way started by just one or two people praying. We've talked about the prayer or the revival, rather, of, of, of Azusa. That came about as, as a result of people praying over a period of, of a couple of years before that happened, before the outpouring came in, in 1906. Starting in 1904, people began to pray. First of all, some of the people in, in that part of California heard about what was going on in, in the great uh, outpouring in Wales at the time. So they had a hunger for that for here in America. They started praying in the Los Angeles area for this outpouring of the Spirit and, and they prayed for a couple of years and it happened. But it, but it started out small. Uh, do, do any of you remember the Brownsville revival? Back in the 90s or the 80s? When was that? 90s? Uh, you know, that, 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 wasn't, that wasn't one of the great revivals of the church at large, but it was a tremendous revival in that local church. And it really had a a huge effect in the entire Assemblies of God denomination because revival spread from that church to other churches. It it basically stayed within that denomination, but it was a true revival. I mean, the, the Brownsville revival, when it was going on in that church was phenomenal. But you know what? It started with just some people being hungry. Started with people like Doug they just said, oh God, we just have to have more. I just, I have to have more of your presence. I have to have greater fellowship. It started with people getting hungry. And not all revivals uh, have that dramatic of an outcome, but they could. They could, it depends on how hungry you are. How, how fervent we can be in our praying. How, how consistent and, and committed we are. Like Paul, he said, I do not cease to pray for you. Well, that's what, that's what uh, uh, revival praying requires. It requires people who won't cease. I didn't look at the clock when I got up here. Have I been up here about an hour? I'm not sure. <laughs> School's out. You can have a watch night service tonight. Watch out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, let me just introduce this. What's the difference in supplication and intercession? Supplication, as we've described it, is earnest, heartfelt prayer. 
And it can be prayed for any spiritual need, any natural need, anything that is urgent, anything that requires uh, urgency. It can be prayed for Christians. It can be prayed for presidents and kings. It can be prayed for unbelievers. Uh, And so supplication applies in in a lot of areas. Intercession is a little more... uh, 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 the scope is a little more defined. It's a, lo- it's a little more narrow in its scope. Uh, what is intercessory prayer? Briefly defined, intercession is standing in the gap in prayer between a person or persons who have provoked judgment upon themselves through their wrongdoing and the actual execution of that judgment. I'm going to read that again. Intercession is standing in the gap in prayer between a person or persons who have provoked judgment upon themselves through their wrongdoing and the actual execution of that judgment. Or to put it more simply, intercessory prayer is prayer to hold back judgment. Now that's a very specific kind of praying. Uh, we've, we've said this already, but it's important to say it again. To be effective intercession needs to be made at the prompting of and under the direction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Because people, well, go with me over to Genesis. People bring judgment on themselves by their conduct, by their sin. Go to Genesis chapter 18. We know the story of how the Lord sent uh, how he came down, two angels, one of them was the Lord himself. The men rose up and looked towards Sodom and, and Abraham uh, went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, now this is what I wanted you to see, verse 20 and 21. Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see altogether or see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that has come to me. And if not, I will know. Notice he said, there's an outcry against Sodom and, and Gomorrah. Now, in today's world, it would be, it would be negligent for me not to, to uh, bring remembrance before us as to what their sin was. Isn't that right? We understand what their sin was. Homosexuality is a sin. Now, if you're sitting here tonight and you, and you bluster under, I just wish Pastor would, you know, it's just not necessary for the teaching to go into all this, you know, making a big issue. I would say you are, you have a compromising condition going on in your life. I would say you are compromising with this world. We are not to compromise with this world. We walk in love and we respect people, but we do not compromise truth. If they're not going to hear it from us, where are they going to hear it? But now look at the verse. He said, I will go down now and see whether they have done according uh, to the outcry against it. What had happened is because of their wrongdoing, they had provoked God's wrath because of their sinfulness. Smith Wigglesworth made a statement years ago that, that has been has just really good. People have repeated it you know, for, for many years. He said, there's something about faith. There's something about faith that will cause God to pass over a million people to find that one person who's believing him. That one person, if there's something about faith that just draws God. What does he say? Faith... Uh, invokes a blessing faith invokes a blessing it it calls forth a blessing from God he responds 
and, and, and blesses people, responds to people, uh, to, to grant them the desire of their heart. Faith evokes God's blessing. Sin provokes, not invokes, provokes God's wrath and judgment. It does. Sin provokes God's wrath and judgment. Go back over to, uh, to Genesis. Look at the third chapter of Genesis. Fourth chapter, excuse me. We know what happened. Cain murdered his brother. Look at verse 10. He came to Cain and said, well, verse 9, he says, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, the answer is yes. We're all one another's keepers. Then he said, "What what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, you know that's metaphorically speaking. His blood didn't have wasn't audible but as far as God was concerned the sin cried out to him sin and wrongdoing provokes God and it cries out to him for judgment instead of invoking God it provokes God time and again you see in scripture where Israel provoked God's anger and judgment. It happened over and over and over again. Well, does God delight in seeing people receive judgment? No. No, he doesn't. But if people, if, if people uh, have sinned and provoked judgment upon themselves, if they do not turn and repent, the only hope for judgment to be averted is for someone to stand in the gap for them and make intercession to turn that wrath away from them. That's what intercession is all. You can see the difference and and it's a much more narrow in scope than supplication. It it requires supplication and and it requires that it be done under the anointing and inspiration and direction of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will bring people or, or groups of people to you And he'll put a burden on the inside of you for them, a a yearning and an earnestness and a a drawing that comes up on the inside of you to pray for people who are are in sin and people who, the lost, backsliders, uh, anybody that that their their lifestyle, their behavior, their sin, they won't repent of it. And and judgment is going to come if somebody doesn't change it. And so intercession is... Is a prayer that 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 uh, withholds holds back judgment. It won't hold back judgment forever, but it'll hold back judgment while you continue to make supplication for that person until God can move in their lives. And very often, we can change and completely uh, avert judgment from falling in somebody's life. And again, if somebody doesn't do it for this backslidden person or this ungodly person, if somebody doesn't do it for them, they're headed for judgment. Now, you can say what you want to. We know that we live in a day of grace. We know that God is merciful. But when people knowingly, willfully sin against grace and pervert the grace of God and do and do. Uh, a violence, so to speak, to the grace of God, frustrate God's grace over and over and over, judgment is still a biblical principle. God is still a just God. And if a person persists in in wrongdoing long enough, judgment's gonna come, grace or no grace. Well, we 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 can help that process of uh, the process of God reaching that person and stand in the gap for them. And where, where, why is this important where revival praying is concerned? It's because uh, the church is in a backslidden condition, largely, not everybody, obviously, but largely the church is in a backslidden condition. 
I mean, when you have churches all over the nation, you know, in just in the last couple of weeks, wanting to accept the Supreme Court's ruling on marriage and embrace it and, and fly, you know, the, the rainbow flag and put it on there. I mean, something is dreadfully wrong with the church. That is a backslidden church. Amen. Well, the church needs, uh, uh, unless people like that, and especially leaders, unless they repent and change, uh, they're not going to survive. God will not allow the leaders of his church to continue to lead the church in a path of destruction. He will step in. He will. He cannot allow that to go unchecked. He cannot allow that to go on and on and on. Hence, the need for us to make intercession and supplication. So these are things that uh, we'll just stop here tonight. We'll talk more about it, the uh, Lord willing, next Sunday morning. But uh, uh, just if you want to take anything out of this tonight, uh, the main point is uh, prayer, revival praying is earnest praying. It's not casual praying. It's not goofing off. It's not just uh, spending time. It's, it's, it's getting down to business in prayer, making a real difference. In, in other people's lives. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, I know it went a little longer tonight, but you were listening. So, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Let's stand up. Praise God. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Father, for revival. Thank you for how you've, you are moving in our midst. But, Father, we're not, we're not complacent. We're not satisfied with just being blessed ourselves. Father, we want to see other people blessed. We want to see wayward people and people who've gone astray. We want to see them come back to you turn their lives back to you. Uh, we want to see revival happen in the most unlikely places. Glory to God. Places that, that maybe people would look and say there's no hope. There is hope. There is hope. You're able to move in the most unlikely of places and the most unlikely of hearts. Father, it's just, it, it just comes down to it, will, will somebody stir themselves up to take hold of you for that wayward person or that, or that uh, group or whoever it might be? Will somebody make the sacrifice? Will somebody dedicate and consecrate, consecrate themselves to prayer to be used to reach somebody else? Glory to God. We didn't read it, Father, but Abraham, can, he began to intercede for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and you responded to his intercession. And he bargained with you. And you responded to his bargaining. He went from 50 down to 10 people. Thinking surely there would be 10 righteous people. There should have been. With a lot in his family there. But sin and compromise had reached right into the homes of the righteous. There in Sodom. And so judgment was not averted. I'm convinced if, if Abraham would have gone to one, the precedent tells us that you would, have, you would have accepted his bargaining and his intercession and you would have spared the cities for the one if he had asked. Oh, Father, that gives us such a great sense of, of encouragement and responsibility. Responsibility and encouragement. To know, Father, that the responsibility is great, but you will hear and you will respond to our praying. So, Father, great things and great times are ahead as we dedicate ourselves more and more, as we learn more and more, as we receive more revelation, more understanding about prayer, about revival praying. Glory to God. We'll grow in it. We'll move deeper and further in it and accomplish greater and greater things for the glory of the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Lives will be changed. The church will be changed. Not just because of our praying, but there are people praying, Father, we know all over. Praying just like we are. And we know, Father, that you hear and answer. Glory to God. So we know great, great things are ahead. We know the greatest hour of the church is just ahead. When all looks dark and many say we've, we're forsaken, the Lord raises up a standard. Just like a flood, he comes in like a rushing mighty river and changes everything. Oh, glory to God. But he doesn't do it by his own initiative alone. He depends upon us. And so we set ourselves and, and dedicate ourselves to being used of the Lord in these last days. That his hand can move. That his spirit will be poured out. That people will come to Jesus. That a great harvest will be reaped. The church will have a, 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 an end time witness that is in line with the prophecies of old. And in line with what Jesus said about the church. He is building his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Instead, the church will prevail against the gates of hell. Glory to God. And dispel darkness. And those who will receive, will receive. Oh, glory to God. We'll finish your work. We'll finish your work. You'll come back and catch us away. Glory to God. And it'll be a great, great harvest. A great gathering. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Father. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.